Welcome to another episode of The Neutrinos Are Mutating, the science fiction podcast from Manchester Metropolitan University looking at the science fact behind science fiction. I'm Sam Illingworth. I'm James Rodfern. I'm Monique Henson. And I'm Neil Dagnall. So we're joined by Monique and Neil to talk to us about the, the science behind Independence Day Resurgence, released in 2016 from 20th Century Fox and directed by Roland Emmerich. So this film basically is set 20 years after the original Independence Day, which, which makes me feel really old. Um, and it has some interesting science in it, shall we say. So I'm just going to throw it straight up. Has anyone got any questions? Put your hands up if you've got a question that you'd like to ask. If you're thinking of them, I've got a couple of questions to ask as well. So first of all, to Monique, um, do aliens exist? Um, I think probably. I think most scientists would agree there are probably aliens out there somewhere just because the universe is so large, there's so much stuff in it, chances are somewhere there's also probably life. However, the chances of us ever actually making contact with them is kind of much more unknown. Um, so I would say we might, dis we might see evidence for life somewhere else, but we're unlikely to actually make contact in our lifetime. There are people who disagree on that point, um, but there are lots of challenges to overcome to actually contact an alien species. Like, for example, um, interstellar travel, which is quite difficult at the moment. So I think, um, so this film's set this year, isn't it? So it's 2016. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we don't seem to have any spaceships, I think, that, that look a lot like that, or, or any of those kinds of technologies, or living on the moon, or, or anything of that type. But they do talk about the Hubble telescope in there. So is that something that, I've heard quite a lot about that telescope in the past. It's something that science, that space scientists have used quite a lot. And I did read that it's gonna be taken offline but is it still used? Is that, is that a technology that at least is true? Um, yeah, so the Hubble Space Telescope is a real telescope. It's been up there for, I think, it's like 20, 25 years. It's a long time now. And it wasn't originally planned to still be in use now either. It's, way, it's lasted way longer than we expected, but it's used in all kinds of space science, so looking at planets, looking at stars, looking at distant galaxies. Um, so that, that is one of the real parts of the science there. Um, oh, just one other thing I was going to say. We don't have a base on the moon, but there is a NASA plan to um, have a capture an asteroid around the moon and have a base on that, which is absolutely bonkers. I'm not convinced that's going to happen, but it sounds amazing if it ever does. I should point out as well that the, the reason for the alien technology in the 2016 film was that we stole all of the things that happened in 1996, according to that. So at least in its own history, it is consistent in the film. Neil, in terms of communicating with aliens, there's quite a lot actually, I mean, one, there's a psychologist that forms quite a large part in the film. That a lot of people around the world, I think, have thought they've had encounters with aliens. I just wanted you could comment on that. Um, it, quite an interesting idea, actually, because Building on what was just said before, um, there's two sets of ideas. One is the idea that there is life on other planets and we can communicate with aliens eventually in some form, or that they're a simple form of life. Uh, so the idea that there's bacteria, um, 
very, very simple cell organisms, compared with the more extreme beliefs, which is the ideas of alien visitation, UFOs. Um, those sorts of more extreme ideas are the ones that tend to correlate with other forms of strange, unusual beliefs, such as paranormal beliefs. Um, we, d we actually did a study a few years ago. I think we sampled around 1,500 people, and we found that um, the idea of there being life on other planets was quite common. But the idea that aliens and UFOs visited uh, were in the minority, and typically it's about 1% or 2% of the population believe that aliens visit. Put, people put their hands up in the audience if they think that aliens exist. Just put your hands up. Wow, okay, so that's about 60% of the audience. And put your hands up if you think that aliens have visited the Earth. I'm going to put my hand up there as well. Okay, so about 50% of the audience. So maybe a bit higher even than your study, Neil. So it's obviously a, a believer audience. Are, are there any questions from the, from the audience for the panel at all about any of the science in the film whatsoever? Yep, question here. Do you think it is possible that they could drill to the centre of the earth like they did in the film? And what would happen to all the water? Okay, so in the film <laughs> they're trying to drill to the centre of the earth to extract the molten core in order to power their own spaceships. So Monique, is, is this possible? I mean, I don't think so. Um, and you know, definitely a question, what happens to the water is what I was wondering. But also, surely if you were drilling down into the earth, you'd kind of see some geological activity you would expect, and there was no evidence for that at all. And also, you might think that the amount of energy they'd have to use to drill to the centre of the earth might negate whatever they're going to get from the molten core. Um, but, you know, with alien technology, anything is possible. <laughs> I think what's interesting as well is it kind of draws on this issue of fracking that's happening at the moment. And if fracking a couple of hundred metres in East Lancashire caused a mini earthquake, I think drilling down to the molten core of the earth might have caused the ship that was about <laughs> half a mile away to be sunk, <laughs> perhaps. Just one of the slight oversights, I think, in the film. A question right, sorry, right at the back. Um, well, we'll just, I'll just talk as Tara's walking all the way to the back with the microphone. I think that part of the drill into the core reminds me quite a lot of the new Star Wars film as well. I think there were lots of elements of that film that reminded me of Star Wars. It seemed like they right? maybe had watched no, that and kind of stole the ideas. Can they hear me? Okay, question at the back. Can you hear me all right now? Yes. Um, yeah, well, I, I actually think this drilling in a core is mainly sort of for film purpose because of, uh, you know, we're the Earth. Um, these aliens, if they were coming down here, they would have most probably drilled at some other planet before they got here. Um, it's just a far-fetched thing. This, you know, this is always the Earth that gets attacked. Um, but I really believe that the future is is the planets because we have to move. Um, I mean, I mean, all this space race and everything that we're, we're, we're building on now. I mean, over the last what I don't know, 30, 40 years of my life. Um, we are we are aiming at the planets. We we have to move. You know we, we have to go forward. It's it's man's destiny to explore, isn't it? Absolutely. So so Monique, maybe you could comment on how realistic you think it is for Earth or people or humans to move to another planet, and then Neil afterwards about the psychological impact of that. 
Um, so probably the most likely chance of this is some of the human efforts to explore Mars, because um, there are multiple projects aiming to get people to the surface of Mars in the short-term future, including the Mars One mission, um, which is an, an independent mission, so it's not by any government, to send people on a one-way mission to Mars. If that happens, they should be there by 2025, and the people who go will live out the rest of their lives on Mars. That's the closest we're looking at the moment to actually exploring, like um, to creating a base on another planet. Because um, the problem you'll have within our solar system is that places aren't really that habitable for life. Like Mars is manageable, but I mean, there's still no oxygen. It's still really cold. Um, and we don't think we can grow anything there easily. Um, and looking further out, at the moment we can't realistically travel outside of our solar system. Um, there's some moons that might be good, but we don't know enough about no, them but if yet. You, if you look at the way we as humans have evolved over the last thousands and thousands of years, I mean, let's take flight for instance, I mean, 1904, 1905 or something like that, the, when did the Wright brothers take off? Was it 1904 or something like that? They, they, they built this bit of machinery and said, oh, we are going to fly, and they flew 22 yards. And we all stood back and went, wow. And then 65 years later, man's walking on the moon, apparently, you know, even though people are turning around saying it's not true, but uh, I, I believe it. But, you know, 65 years uh, from, you know, somebody just sort of taking off in some field and traveling the sort of length of a cricket pitch to, to actually landing on the moon and actually walking up there. And we've done that in 65 years. So you imagine what's going to happen in a three or 400 years. We're yeah. going to be there. And, I you know, I, I'm going to miss out on that, really. I really am going to miss out on it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd love to be up there and, uh, and see it. But uh, you never know. Uh, uh, paranormal, we might come back somewhere along the line. <laughs> Recreate ourselves. But uh, anyway, it's, it's been lovely talking to you. I've got to go because I've got some students I've got to take back to school and... Thank you very much. I think I completely agree, and these things always seem impossible until they happen, um, but I'll just pass it along. Okay, thank you. I, I, I think there's a, red, uh, excuse me, I think there's a resonance there of uh, hope and optimism and the idea that uh, as this planet becomes more populated and uh, resources are exploited, that we would be able to colonize other planets in the universe. Um, at the moment, I think that's more of a hope and an aspiration than a, a, a realism. But, I mean, that's one of the themes that emerged in the film, was one of hope and uh, bringing together humanity in order to win out. So I think that was quite a nice question in, 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 that, in, term, in those terms. There's a, there's a common thread through the film that they kind of, the aliens come down, want to destroy the Earth, and then that unites the whole of humanity. And, you know, that is something that has been explored in other films before and, and, and books as well. I'd like to think that we don't have to wait for an alien race to come to unite us. <laughs> well, maybe there is an alien race here already, who knows? But I think one of the things they touch on in the film is that they've built this giant planetary defense mechanism but I th is there something like that we've already got like was there the Star Wars program or something like I think there's some was but the concept of having space weapons do you think that's something that would be a good idea um, it's a difficult one um, I think 
I'm not, so again, I said, I, I think it's reasonably unlikely that aliens are actually going to make it to our planet. Um, and then again, on top of that, it's not necessarily fair that we should assume they're going to want to attack us. Um, so that it questions the motivation of why you'd really need those defenses. On the other side of it, there's lots of political problems with it as well, because you, again, you would need some group of nations to decide together that they have the right to do that. Um, and I think at the moment, you know, there's a lot of legal issues over who owns things in space um, and whose right it is to put all the weaponry up there. So there are a lot of problems in it. I don't know if you've got any comments. Um, I think it just taps into the sort of general anxieties that people have about their safety. And, and that's one of the things that you get in these films is always the idea that there's some sort of external threat that we need protecting from, which again is, is another common feeling that people generally have, one of insecurity, anxiety, and the fact that um, the idea of some technology would make people feel more secure. Oh, question here, please, Tara. Yeah, um, even within the conceit of the film, I mean, I think you've just touched on this. Um, do you think it's realistic? It's kind of a sorry two-part question, probably one for each panelist. But do you think it's realistic that within 20 years, even with having alien technology that we'd only just encountered, we'd be at that situation where we'd kind of built all these amazing machines and uh, moon bases and things, and also that that this recurring theme of an outside threat unifying um, Earth. Would, would actually happen so that the different nations would come together to do that kind of thing. So I guess, two-part question, would 20 years actually be enough time to enable us to subsume alien technology and would it actually give us enough time to unite after thousands of years of war across yeah, the country? Also to kind of to unite and then not just fall apart again. Okay. Um, so in terms of the technology, I guess, um, yeah, it is questionable that it only take 20 years. But then at the same time, the rate of progress within science and technology is heavily dependent on how much people care and how much money there is. And presumably after a massive alien invasion, there's, people are going to care a lot and there's a lot of money. On the other side of it, I thought I'd just comment that I think in the beginning of the film, they say, you know, there's world peace, but there can't be world peace if there's a rebel warlord in Africa. <laughs> um, that's very specifically only peace in certain nations. Um. Actually, I think they said, uh, I think they said there was, wasn't any war, and that's clearly an insurgency. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I, I think the idea of um, technology technological advancements an interesting one because as we know it's not consistent some things develop at rapid speeds and some of the things that we now have we couldn't possibly have envisaged 20 years ago other ideas are still pie in the sky i remember watching tomorrow's world as a as a child and they were talking for example about dvds and dvds as we know are now a common part of everyday life well they were also on some of the earlier ones talking about going to work with jetpacks <laughs> This is still very aspirational. I haven't seen any jetpacks in Manchester. So I, I think it's difficult to know what technology will develop and the extent to which that will be constrained. Uh, again, only a few years ago, I think it was unimaginable to have computers connected to uh, televisions so that you had the interactive experience we have today, whereas that has developed extremely rapidly. So who knows is my view. <laughs> 
So basically, we just need some aliens to come down, drop off some technology, and help us solve world peace. <laughs> that's, that's the message I got from this film, at least. Okay, so I'd just like to thank our panelists. Thanks very much to Neil Dagnall and to Monique Henson. Um, give them a round of applause, I suppose. It'd be very good. And I'd like to thank Interfilm and Interfilm Festival and also the Odeon Printworks in Manchester. I've been Sam Illingworth. I'm James Redfern. Thank you very much for listening.